With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour. It is Friday, January 12th, and uh, Flames Talk in a chilly downtown Calgary is underway this hour. Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Friday and it's time for the Eric Francis Hour. It's time to say hello to Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com 18 plus Please play responsibly. And uh, now we say hello, not in freezing cold Calgary, but instead in Las Vegas, Nevada. Eric Francis joins us from Vegas right now. Hello, EF. Uh, you want to switch him on there, Shan? I don't have my uh, call screen right in front of me. Uh, let's say hello to uh, Eric Francis from Vegas right now. Hi, buddy. How are we doing? I'm great, my man. How are you? I'm good. Um, colder than you, I can guarantee you of I'm that. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's no fun for anybody. Uh, what did I hear? The coldest day in 22 years or something like that. Uh, that's we've had a, such a mild winter that we knew we were going to have to pay the price at some point, And I guess this is it right now. I, you will get, uh, you will arrive home in cold weather, just not as cold as like, it'll still be when you come back on Sunday, it'll still be in the minus thirties range. Just won't be as cold as Thursday and Friday. So you miss the worst of it, but not the total worst of it. So, like, it makes me feel a little bit better, you know? And listen, I've lived in Calgary long enough. I'm certainly not sitting here gloating because I'm not there for that. <laughs> I've been through my share of those cold spells. My family's going through it. You guys are all going through it. I'm not uh, – I don't want that – I don't wish this on anybody. But I can tell you that a, a lot of the – a lot of the dads and the players, they were talking about it today and, and, and glad that obviously they got away from it for a handful of days. Yeah, good timing on that front. Um, well, there's lots, to get, uh, there's lots to get to this hour. We've got a ton to dive into uh, with Eric with us. Uh, we've got dad's trip. We've got a 6-2 win over Arizona on Thursday night. Um, Eric wants to do a little Vegas story time. We've got all of that coming your way this hour on the program. But I, I, I guess let's let's start a little bit big picture. When you and I were talking on the phone and, and setting up what we might talk about for today's show, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things to get into big picture wise with this team as they move towards the All Star break, as they move towards the trade deadline. They uh, they really are in an interesting pocket right now, aren't they? Like this is. Now the new year's begun and the trade deadline's less than 60 days away, less than two months away. The all-star break is now very much upon us, just a little over two weeks away for Calgary. Like it really is an interesting pocket that the Flames are in with all kinds of different things, with their schedule, with injuries, with big time organizational decisions. It just, it feels like a very strange purgatory we're sitting in right now, doesn't it? Yeah, I think pockets are, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I, I really do think, uh, you know, we knew this time was going to come in the new year that, uh, you know, we'd be getting closer to decision day for, for management in terms of what their plan is moving forward. And uh, it's funny, Craig Connor has been avoiding me this whole trip. <laughs> 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 I see him at the ring and I see him scurry away often. 
because he, you know, he, he knows uh, we want to ask him, you know, about the direction and, and pick his brain on and off the record about a whole bunch of stuff. And, uh, you know, Craig, Craig just doesn't want to tip his hand at all. And I, I get it. Like the, it's a high stakes game. They're playing right now. They've got to make big decisions and they got to maximize whatever decisions they make. And, uh, but I'll tell you, you know, there's so many things to delve into for you and I today, but you know, one of them is this road trip or this, the seven day pocket, as you described, it wraps up tomorrow. And, you know, they've had one home game, six on the road. You know, if they can, if they can win here in Vegas, that's a big if it's a tough building to win in. Uh, But if they can do that, they'd finish this little stretch five and two, they're all over the map, all different time zones with every single game, it seems like. Um, a tough stretch in terms of games in a short number of days. Uh, there have been some tough opponents in there, obviously. Uh, and and if they emerge with a 5-2 record and all that, I, I think it's part of the way the mood is kind of swaying. And, hey, you man the phones after every game, and the, the mood goes up and down with every single win and loss and goal and save. But, like, they really are trending in a really, really positive way right now in so many, on so many levels. Uh, you know, there's the exciting news behind the scenes with guys like Pelche, you know, uh, joining the Wranglers, obviously Shillington's yeah. big night last night. That's exciting for everybody. And everybody's still got their fingers crossed that that continues to progress in a positive way. Um, you know, the goaltender here is playing as well as any goalie in the league right now. Uh, Jonathan Huberto last night. I sat with his dad in the third period last night. Well, I sat with all the dads. Uh, you may have heard this is the dad's trip. Did you hear that? No, I haven't. I don't it? know what you're talking about. Do they? So do they? The, the, these players they have fathers, and then what? What? What about? <laughs> yeah, fathers, I haven't heard a single thing. I, and you know what? It's funny. We'll, we're going to get into that, but like that's part of this positive trend that they're going through right now. These guys are so jacked up to be here with their dads. I can't tell you. And it, and next year, I was talking to Brendan Parker about this. Maybe next year it doesn't have the impact at all. But it's, they hadn't done him one for four years. A lot of these guys had never had their dads on the road with them before. This is a real moment for them. Like these are memories that these guys are never going to forget. Um, and 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 that last night, as I said on the broadcast, it, it wasn't even fair. Uh, it wasn't even fair for the, the the Phoenix Coyotes last night. It was like the big brothers playing against the younger brothers. Um, in that first period, the, the Flames were so jacked up from their dads being there and the dads reading the starting lineups and, and the last three days they'd spent with their dads before that. And they, they just wanted to put on a show for their dads. And 20 seconds in, they started the show. And it was a spectacular, spectacular show on so many fronts. And, uh, you know, th- these are all the things that are moving forward. And I dare say a lot of the people out there who were saying, like, blow it up, trade all of those three UFAs, also get rid of Ladar, call up Wolf, let's start the rebuild. And I'm not saying there still aren't those people. But I think as this team shows its depth, there are different stars emerging that I don't think people expected, like Coleman and Sharon Govich. And Huberto is starting to round into form. I know it's only been like an eight-game stretch, but he's really looking a lot better. You know, Kadri's playing. Well, like, I could go through the whole lineup. And there's all these positives. And I... I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those people are starting to understand the way I've looked at it, which is I don't think you need, well, they're certainly not going to blow it up. And I certainly don't think they should blow it up. This is going to be a retool. It's the word I've always used. It's going to be relatively minor compared to what I think a lot of people were thinking 
and hoping. Do you think I'm correct on that? Because I really think this GM has seen what he's got. He likes a whole lot more than I think a lot of people thought he would like. And and it, it's at the point where I don't think that they feel the need to do major surgery on this lineup. Do you, do you think that's accurate? Well, do do I think which which part? Do I think that's where the flames are? Do I think that's where fans are? Or do I think that's what they actually need to do or don't need to do? Yeah, good point. There's a difference, yeah, from what people think they should do and what they're going to do. I, I'll just say in my in my view, it's – well, you answer the question. I asked you. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious to me the Flames are not going to make huge, significant moves. They're going to make big ones. Like, last Lindholm is gone, and I think one other UFA is gone, but I think they're going to sign Hannafin. And I just think people – I think people are coming around to the fact that that's probably the better course of action. Do you agree? It's uh, it's really interesting because I, uh, I I see a lot of differing opinions on how they should yeah. go about this. I I see a lot of differing because on the one hand you've got like I'll I'll be I'll I'll just give you the the uh, I I guess gamut of text that you'll see in any given day. Like for instance, on Thursday, Wes and I were talking about who's the first half MVP. And I said Coleman, and I had lots of people agree with me. Yeah, absolutely, it's Coleman. Trade him. And you're like, oh, okay. It's like, no, no, Coleman. Is this is the perfect time to capitalize? Get what's uh, yeah. gets what's best for him. Or Wes's uh, Wes's nomination for MVP was Jacob Markstrom. Absolutely, Markstrom's having a great season. Trade him. And it's like, holy, okay. So there's so there's funny. those people. Then there's the then there's the. Hannafin side of things, like, well, there's lots of people who still believe he should be dealt. Um, but then there's lots of people who say, well, no, no, Hannafin is a 27-year-old defenseman. Uh, that, that's a guy that they should actually be looking at keeping and can understand why, you know, if, if that ends up being the case, they should. That, that's a good move. And so it, it's really weird to see the gamut of how people mm-hmm. think. I guess, I guess where I am on it is I, I've been on the same page with you the entire time. I, I fully believe full-on, to-the-studs, dynamite rebuild. That's not going to happen. That just isn't the way this team uh, is going to go about their business, regardless of who's at the helm. And so I think, yeah, this is more of a um, pivot as opposed to a start over. Uh, And so... I think that that's what we're going to see. And I still think that they are going to move guys who aren't willing to sign and maybe move one or two other names as well. But I don't think they're trading everybody. And I don't think they're saying, well, no, if you're over 25, you're out of here. We're moving everybody for picks and we'll just backfill and pick a couple of media guys and they'll play with us to, uh, to fill out the roster for the rest of the year. So yeah, that's, I, I think that's going to be the way that it goes. Um, the only, I just, I think you, if you're Craig Conroy, the thing that I think is really important, and I think the thing that he is actively guarding against, is not getting like not putting too much stock into you know a ten day stretch or a twelve game stretch when you also have hundred and twenty games that tell you something else. I, I the the big picture look and not falling prey to recency bias is going to be his biggest challenge, both good and bad, as he moves to the trade deadline. If they are on a really bad run for three weeks leading into the trade deadline, you still have to look at the big picture. If they're on a red-hot streak going into the trade deadline, you still got to look at the big picture and what you've seen since the beginning of last season with this group of players. I think that's, that's going to be the biggest challenge here when making a lot of these decisions, I think. 
Yeah, and I, I, I well put, and I, I, but I think he's pretty even keeled about it. I agree. Um, it's, 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 it's the fan base that sways, and that's just the nature of sports. Like, like I said, after a win, you get, you know, people are thrilled, and and after every loss, people calling up and they're they're furious. So, I, he's a lot more even keeled about it. You know, he's an emotional guy. We talk to him all the time. We know how he is, and he rides the waves too. But I think he's had a pretty even-handed look at this team over the last you know, three months. And uh, I, I think that he's got a pretty good gauge. You know what? Like, I, I think an argument can be made that of all the teams that are in that little fight there, okay, let's just, God, this this really hurts any Calgarian to say, but let's just concede that the Oilers are, you know, they're, they're not even going to be in this picture anymore, right? They're they're on nine in a row. They've won, and Lord knows they could win nine more in a row. And, and you know, they, I don't think anybody thinks, or thought for very long that they were actually going to be in this wild card race. Um, so they're gone. So really there's only one spot left in the wild card race. If you ask me and there are five or six or four or five teams fighting for it. I think the flames are the best team of that group. Like if you look at all their different rosters, I really think they're the best team of that group. That's irrelevant. What I think, or even what anybody thinks it's, you know, which team is going to perform that well. And I know a lot of fans are saying, who cares about this year? Who cares? Well, that's not the way, a business looks at it. That's not the way this ownership looks at it. That's not the way Craig Conroy looks at it. You're, you're trying to balance short and long-term. Yes, short-term, you're going to have to sacrifice your number one center. That's just going to be the way it goes. And I shouldn't use the word sacrifice. You're going to cash in on a, your number one center. It's a big question as to who's going to fill that void or how you're going to fill that void, uh, but you're going to get a nice haul for them. That's, that's just something you got to do, no matter how good – you think your team is or how this season, you know, excites you or not. I, I think that, you know, I just think that as the course of the season has gone on and there's been some real developing stories that are so positive for this fan base and for this organization that it's, it's ludicrous for people to sit there and still think that it's time to burn the thing down. It's ludicrous. And, and I'll go one further, like this notion of trading Jacob Markstrom right now, uh, really boggles my mind. Um, I'm not saying that you don't con- look. It's a puzzle. Whatever happens between now and the trade deadline will set the tone for what you want to do with your starting goaltender moving forward. And I get that we want to. Everybody wants to see Dustin Wolf here soon, but he, trading Jacob Markstrom this year makes zero sense to me. Absolutely zero sense to me. You and I have talked about this before in the off season. If you think that it's time to really still consider retooling in a more significant way, then you can maybe have that conversation with him. Or maybe he'll come to you and say, look, without Elias Lindholm, my childhood buddy, I don't want to be on this team. Or I don't like the direction this is going. I want to be traded. That's fine. But for this year, he's one of the hottest goalies in the year uh, in the league. Um, I just think it's silly. And people say, yeah, cash him in. It doesn't always work that way. Just because someone's doing well, doesn't mean you got to cash in on them all the time. It's not that way out for this team. So, I don't like the idea of trading for Jacob Markstrom. They are going to have a real hard time trading Dan Bladar. That's that's going to be a tough sell. Um, I think, you know, his numbers just aren't good enough for him to warrant really much of a return at all. I think you almost have to give him away. You might even have to eat some of his salary um, if you can get, get him uh, swapped out. So I'm not sure you're going to see a change in the goaltenders this year, and I know that upsets a lot of people, but, We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong on that front. Do you think I'm way off on that front? Do you think they'll find a place for Dan Vladar? 
I think that that is something that I, I still think that they are actively trying, but I also oh, yeah. think I, I also think that they, you know, I, I don't think they've gotten super sexy offers yet, and I think they're going to try to wait as long as they possibly can. I I do think that there's a chance that on the Vladar front, because, look, I know there's a lot of buzz about Markstrom this week. There's been a ton of it. You see it on social media. There's been articles written. I know Kevin Weeks was uh, stirring the pot a little earlier. Like, I, I'm, I'm from what I've checked in on, there's nothing There's nothing going on there, I don't think, from, from what I understand. But I, I get that there is a lot of buzz about it because New Jersey needs a goalie or Toronto needs a goalie or Carolina just has another goaltending injury. These are all teams that fancy themselves as, as contenders. I, I get it. I really do, but I'm with you. I just, with, with the salary and with trying to maximize a return, I'm skeptical that you would do that with Markstrom in season. So that does turn the focus then to Dan Vladar. And I, I think that because of the Dustin Wolf conversation, I think that they would be willing to maybe trade Dan for less than what their target was as we move closer to the deadline. I think that mm-hmm. is a possibility still. So I'm still I'm still decently optimistic they'll be able to make room for Dustin. Like I, I get what you're saying. Vladar's numbers have not been great, and and so to get like a great return is maybe not the most realistic thing right now. But the benefit would be what you're opening up in terms of space for for Dustin, right? Oh, absolutely. And and, and, and like I'm not saying that that's not the goal. And uh, but can you imagine almost every conversation or text exchange Craig has with another GM, uh, where the GM says, "Hey, uh, we're looking for a goalie," and Craig goes, "Well, I got one for you, Dan Vladar." <laughs> no, no, we were talking about say, somebody no. else. I don't... Yeah, no, we we had something else in mind. Or goes the other way, or you know. So I, I just don't see how. Um, and 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 I think Vladar's been more than adequate. Uh, I guess is probably the best way I would describe it. Like I don't think he's been a disappointment. I don't think he's been awful. And he's certainly liked in the room, and the guys feel good playing in front of him. Like they trust him. Um, but it's just when you're trying to sell somebody around the league, uh, it's hard for a GM to, to to sell that to his fan base when the goalie's numbers are like Dan Bedard's are right now. So, so that one's that one's a non-starter for me. You know, on on the Hannafin front, do you want to talk about that now too, or do you want to wait till later? Well, we might as we might as well let's let's go rapid fire through a number of these things because the, there's clearly like there's there's definitely some some smoke and some buzz on the Hannafin front, and I know that we uh, got into it pretty uh, extensively last week, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on it. But there's let's let's kind of go rapid fire through a lot of these things that people are buzzing about. You know the the Hannafin thing. There's you know there's there's been some talk that. You know, maybe there's a resolution between now and the All Star break. I've 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 heard that. I know you're hearing lots of things. I mean, let's let's start there and and kind of branch off because as as we've said many times, so many of these things are interconnected, right? Yeah, it is. It's one big puzzle, and like I say, it, how one domino falls affects how the other one, uh, you know, moves forward. So I, you know, the Hannafin situation is 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 so fascinating to me, and and you know. They have started talking again. There's certainly a desire uh, for both sides to really flesh this out and find out if there is a fit, you know, money-wise. And, you know, I think uh, I know the player uh, would like to stay here if, if the money's right. And if, But he's just happy here. And, you know, I showed a stat on the broadcast last night uh, that he's played the second most shifts in the NHL this year, period. 
second most shifts in the league. Travis Sanheim is the only one in Philadelphia who's played more shifts than Noah Hannafin. You know, that's a significant stat to me. Uh, and I, we, we all know just from watching games anecdotally that guys like Rasmus Anderson, uh, Chris Tana, or sorry, Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Weger, and Hannafin, you know, play an inordinate amount of shifts. Uh, and in the National Hockey League, I think they're three of the seventh most active uh, defensemen in the league. But they, it just speaks to just how important Noah Hannafin is. So those who discount his ability or his, you know, or where he fits on this team, uh, do so at your own peril. This organization values him tremendously. And, you know, if you're looking at eight years times seven and a half or somewhere, somewhere between seven and a half and $8 million a year, um, you know, defense, defensemen don't come cheap, especially dependable proven ones that are in their prime. They don't come cheap. So that to me is around the going rate. I think it's going to happen. I still think it is. I hear so many, I hear, I've heard lots of different things like you, but I still think that I believe uh, that, that that's moving in the right direction and that will get done. And so of the three UFAs that everybody talks about, take him off the list. I still think that that's even, you know, that makes it even harder decision on what to do with Chris Tanev, because you think about that, that, that defense core, which has been the strength of this team for a while, those, the three big guys, then you add uh, to number four, uh, Chris Tanev. Number five is Oliver Shillington. Fingers crossed, we're all hoping for. Boy, oh boy, that's a pretty good lineup. And I know that gets fans a lot really excited. So that, but that also makes you wonder if maybe it's all the more reason why it is time to cash in on Chris Tanev. I, I don't know where they go w- with Chris Tanev. That I, I don't have a really good sense of. If I had to bet on it, I'd say he's gone. And, uh, and then certainly the third UFA, Lind- Lindholm. Like, we don't even need to spend much time discussing the possibility of Lindholm being signed, right? I mean, from what I understand, the, 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 the money demands are so high that it's really not even, they're not even talking anymore. It's just like, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll call you when we find a place for him. Yeah, it kind of sounds like they, from, from everything that I've heard, is that they remain pretty far apart. And so, and I know there's been a few reports out there about that on the Lindholm front. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not, of the three, I've kind of just, you know, that, that feels like it's the one that's furthest out to see um, and yeah. the one that is is maybe the most difficult one to reel in. You know, there's always that seed of doubt when it comes to, to Hannafin because I've had a couple, just a couple of people saying, yeah, you know, but last time it was damn close and it didn't happen too. So there, there's I think there's still that skepticism in some circles about whether or not that actually makes it past the 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 finish line but yeah i mean there's there's enough smoke and there's been enough people saying that like yeah yeah this thing this thing is moving again and and maybe it does move to a conclusion but the the, the, the thing that you brought up is the thing that is most interesting to me is what does it mean for chris tanef because Noah Hannafin has, without question, played his best hockey with Chris Tanev on his right side. No questions asked. And, yeah. and, and I, I think those guys really like playing with one another. Um, I think Noah really likes playing with Chris. And the last that we heard, now it's been a little while, but the last that we heard was that you know the first conversations between Tanev and the Flames, they were pretty far apart, especially on term. You know, what, how does that impact what the Flames want to do with Chris Tanev if they also do end up deciding that, yeah, they're going to get this thing done with Hannafin? That is really interesting. 
And then it starts to make you wonder, okay, so how much change are they actually prepared to make here? And I think that is when people start getting frustrated. If you're like, okay, well, re-sign Hanif, and then you got to re-sign Tanev, then people throw their arms up in there and say, well, what are you, you going to change then? Um, that, that, that's when it becomes really interesting to me. Well, and, and this is kind of what I tried to start off our whole chat with, which is, to me, if you finish the trade deadline – and the only guy that you've really traded, aside from maybe you know you trade Dan Bladar, um, is the only if the only guy is Elias Lindholm. That is still a major, major, significant uh, trade, right? You're going to land three significant assets uh, for him, and 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 those are those are important assets. And I, you know, I, I think that sure that'll disappoint some people. If that's the only guy that end up get that that they end up moving and cashing in on, but. I'm just saying that I think that there are so many positive signs as we move forward here. And so many of these young players are really starting to emerge and show that they are worthy of, of building around as a new, new kind of core, if you will, that, that I think that that would be enough. I, I think that people, you know, I, I, there'll be disappointment. I think for some people, but not for me, I think that it, it might just end up being the right course of action. The wild card is Tanev. I'm not really sure how you, you act with that. Maybe with Shillington coming back, they say, well, that's five stud defensemen we have now. We don't really need that many, <laughs> said no GM ever. No one's ever said, well, we've got too many good defensemen. Um, you know, so, and this is an organization that covets defensemen above, you know, almost everything else. So I would say that, you know, the TANF situation to me is, is like, it will play out like this. The Flames would like to sign him for two years. I don't think he's, he's 34 years of age. I think he's 35 really soon here. Um, I think the Flames would love to sign him for two years. I bet you that deal could get done real quickly. From a Flames standpoint, I'm with you, yeah. Yeah, from a Flames standpoint. From his standpoint, like any aging player, you want to squeeze one last really nice big contract out of it while you've got some uh, <clears throat> while you've got some big value. So I think he'd be looking, he'd be looking for a four-year deal, and I, I have no doubt that he would get that on the open market this summer. Uh, somewhere in the middle, maybe they can meet. Maybe maybe the Flames can live with signing to a three-year deal because of all he brings off the ice as well. Or maybe they can't. That's, to me, where it all lies. If the, if, if, if the drop-dead number of years is four, then Chris Tanev will be traded, no question about it, in my opinion. If he's willing to bend to three or two, then there's a chance that he would stay at Calgary Flames. That's the way I see it anyway. Yeah, and... and... From what I from what I understood, the kind of the initial conversation wasn't all that different than where they were with Toffoli. Is that? And I'm not saying that that Tanev was like give me seven years, uh, but in terms of where the Flames were, were a whole lot. Yeah, they were like, okay, yeah, we let's have a conversation. Two years is what we're prepared to do right now. I think. Remember, you know. What age is uh, what age is Chris Tanev? Very similar to a guy they also just signed for two years, who just also happens to be the captain. And you know, Michael Backlund's two-year extension, um, I think, is is really interesting to to take into the conversation as well. Like, can you give Tanev four if you only gave your captain two? That's also a really interesting one to yeah. to throw around, right? Yeah. So you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of things that are that are kicking around in this conversation, but. They're all interconnected. They really are. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I think two is where the Flames were initially and what their ideal term would be on Tanev. Um, so let me, 
Let me throw a couple of rapid-fire ones at you. And just, um, they, they, they're kind of also in the devil's advocate side of things as well. Because you talk about, you talk about while well, the Flames are, you know, maybe there's a lot more positive here. And maybe they don't need to go full-scale rebuild. Maybe they've got a nice nucleus to, to win. So when you say that to win, like, what, what does that mean? Is that to be a playoff team? Is that to be a cup contender? Like, what do you see this team being if they do kind of just retool and and try to do this quickly on the fly well then then you know the goal is just to squeeze into the playoffs and i know that that's what upsets so many people is the notion that all this franchise ever seems to be for the last 30 years is a team that can maybe or maybe not make the playoffs and that mushy middle that we always talk about so to answer your question uh yeah it would be to be a playoff team now I kind of subscribe to the theory that all you have to do is have a ticket to win. And Florida proved that last year. And every single year, there's a team that seems to prove that, that even you can just barely squeak in and still make it For to the sure. conference final. Um, you know, so, but do, do I think this team can win a Stanley cup this year or next or, you know, anytime soon? No, no, I don't think that at all. Um, but, but, but only one team gets to win the Stanley cup every year. And I, and I know that that's what everybody's striving for, but, uh, I, I think they could be a playoff team this year. And I think that they're mo- trending in the right direction with all these young guys that are starting to emerge uh, as a team that can, you know, you know, get into the playoffs year after year. Um, that's where I see them at. I, do I think that they're a cup contender? Do I, do I foresee myself next year writing a season preview that says this, this is a team that could win the Stanley cup? No, no. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody would, would suggest that would you no and that and i think that's kind of that is where you'll see some of the frustration from flames fans yeah. okay well then what are we doing um then the other question on on hannafin are you are you willing to like should he be getting paid more than devon taves that's that's one of the things that i keep on hearing as well um in terms of if they decide that Hannafin at the framework, because it's pretty clear that the framework that they built up in October that was close is the same framework that they're working off of right now if this ends up getting there. So if it was eight times seven and a half, are you willing to do that? Is is putting him in that spot as a potential two, three with Uyghur and with Rasmus Anderson up in a couple of years, is that something you're comfortable doing? That's another question that I've seen a lot of people ask over the last little bit. It's a great question too. It's a lot of money. And, uh, but I'll just, I'll answer it by saying, you know, everybody likes to make comparisons to guys from previous years, but every year is different. When Devon Taves signed, the cap wasn't moving. Uh, this year, the cap is going to move significantly, and 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 moving forward, it looks like it's going to move even more significantly. So, you know, a dollar back then, uh, you know, is different than a dollar these days, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I, yes. I, was, all we can ever do is comp- every contract signed in the NHL is based on comparisons. I'm not denying that, and that is an interesting one. But you know, Devon Taves is number two in Colorado. Uh, where would Devontae's fit in in Calgary? I, I don't know. I'm not saying he he'd be number three. Uh, I, I, I don't. That's a tough one. But I do think they're very similar type guys, which is why the money is being talked about mm-hmm. as being very similar. So I don't have any problem going in that sort of neighborhood for money with a guy that that's that logs that many minutes and is that important to a team. And I know he's not flashy, but um, 
been flashier of late though. He scored a couple of he scored a couple of pretty goals of late, and you know we've seen him tapping in pucks from the side of the net a whole lot more uh, frequently this year than we have in other years too. Like I do think that offensive game is is growing, and and you know if it were to end up going that way, I think it's a you know it's a nice it's a nice feather in the flames cap in some ways if they do convince a guy an american guy to stay um and to stay long term after the american guys who just recently left i don't remember their names i don't know you might remember their names but um there were a no. couple american guys that left recently but i i think that it would be in a lot of ways a, a decent feather in the flames cap in terms of hey you know this is still a cool place to play and guys want to stay here like i i i definitely think there's some benefit if if it does end up going that way i'm not one of those people who says it's awful to do it as we said last week i think it's as close to a win-win as you're going to get uh even if even if you are firmly on the trade hannafin bandwagon i still think that you're not really going to ever hate having him here long term either yeah it stops the bleeding to some degree with with the american exodus I, i i agree with you that's a you know, there it's tough to put a dollar figure on what that's worth, but to send the message that hey, you know what? I believe in this organization. I'm an American. I could go anywhere I want next year, or not anywhere, but uh, there are a lot of teams that you sit in a Noah Hannafin on the open market, and you'd like to, you know. Uh, but but you know, I think there's also a realization um, with a guy like Hannafin and talking to him that you know they. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. We talked about it. We the the the, the world, the hockey world saw a great example of that with Johnny Gaudreau. If Johnny Gaudreau could do it again, he would not be a Columbus Blue Jacket, right? He made a, an egregious error uh, in judgment in leaving the Calgary Flames, in my opinion. Now, if he's happy, that's all that really matters, and good for him. But I don't. I think that if he was injected with some truth serum, he'd, he'd admit to the world that that was something he he regrets. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, no. <laughs> Matthew Kachuk, it's turned out the other way. And and just so happens that Hannafin is a really, really good friend of Matthew Kachuk's. They go back way, way back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, uh, they grew up together sort of thing. So, uh, you know, they've had conversations about how much greener the grass is out there. And still, Hannafin is sitting here going, I really would like to stay in Calgary if I get the chance, if the money's right. So, I think that would be a great sign for uh, the hockey world to see that uh, that guys want to stay here because this this city took a beating. Not the city, the organization, the city, whatever, took a beating unnecessarily when those two guys left. Uh, we'll uh, we'll hit the dad's trip in just a second, but just before we do that, uh, are you coming? How how far have you come around on Yegor Sharangovich, who at one point was afraid of his shadow? How how far have you come around on him as as he's really started to find his legs here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, he's really surprised me at how good he's been. I mean, that move on the first goal, it was it was like he was. Uh, in the shootout, but with a defenseman in the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He puts a move on the defenseman and the net, like it's just sick. And then roofs it with the backhand. Like it was all three of his goals last night were just, uh, just beautiful finishes. And um, yeah, I, 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 I remember saying that I, I, I think he just was timid was the word I kept using. I think he was scared to go in the corners and uh, and I think he's really worked at that. I, there was a there were one there was one play last night where I saw Hardy went into the corner with a guy, 
And I don't, I think that's against his nature, but I think it's kind of been pushed into him that that's, that's the way you can help be successful yeah. and help the team and good on him for really overcoming that. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I felt a little bad from last night. He's one of only two guys here whose dad is, a, or or mentor, or, or grandfather, or whatever, is not here on the dad's trip. I asked him why. It's a visa issue. His dad's in Belarus, and they just couldn't make it happen. Um, but I kind of felt bad for him, you know. But uh, Colin Patterson came over and said, "You know what? I'll be your uh, surrogate father." Ah. Give him a big hug, and uh, and uh, I don't think that uh, Yegor had a clue what he was talking about. <laughs> but uh, um, I can tell you, uh, the some of the boys uh, went to the casino last night with their dads when they got here, and uh, I can tell you that Yegor, who wears number seventeen, who has seventeen goals. Also decided to let a, bit, let a little bit ride on number 17 on the roulette wheel and cashed in quite, uh, quite nicely last night at the, uh, at the casino. So it's, it's a nice story for him. He got three goals, uh, the team got the win, and then he pocketed a nice little sum of money at the casino later based on his number. I, I love that. Isn't that a great story? I like that. <laughs> I might have to. I might have to go hit that too, see if I can cash in on uh, a little Jaeger luck tonight. That's good. Well... Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I'll tell you, so then I also saw uh, Colin Patterson, you know, he said he wore number 17 in Buffalo. Uh, you know, he, he agreed to be the surrogate father for the kid last night, and he checked into his hotel yesterday, and he was in room 1717, and he saw it as a sign from the heavens above, and uh, he didn't have the same luck. Uh, with the, that <laughs> he was at the wrong table. <laughs> That sounds about right. Patterson always trying to ride somebody's coattails and then uh, gets foiled. Uh, okay. Uh, it's the Eric Francis Hour. Let's get some more uh, dad strip stories because uh, we'll do that as we continue along. The Eric Francis Hour is for Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com. 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Flamestock on a Friday and the Eric Francis Hour as we continue on with EF is uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Flames will take on the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday night to wrap up this two-game road trip and then a six-game homestand starts against the Arizona Coyotes on Tuesday night. Uh, this is, from what I've been told, Eric, this is uh, the dad's trip, I believe. The, so can you fill us in? I haven't heard anything about, haven't seen anything on social media or on, on the television uh, game. Like the telecast hasn't mentioned it, but, you know, you've been doing a lot of digging. There's, yeah. there's, there's some dads on this trip. I, I just, it's cool. It's great visuals. It's great storytelling. This is Christmas for you, right? Like as, as Eric, the storyteller, the dad's trip is a goldmine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've chatted with pretty much every single one of them and they've, there are so many great stories, including the one I told on the broadcast last night, which I think bears repeating. Cause I, I just think it's such a, uh, a great story about Connor Zary talking to his dad, Scott, who's you know been with the uh, Saskatoon police service for 20 years. And uh, they've got a little weight room in the basement in their house that, uh, you know, Connor grew up in, they still live there. And they were amazed at the, uh, they were amazed at the dedication that they saw from him at a young age. And it sparked from one day his dad went down there to work out. And in the weight room, 
there was a, a poster of sorts put together. It's, it had a couple inspirational quotes from, uh, you know, famous athletes, Muhammad Ali and stuff, and a couple photos of Connor playing hockey. And they were all taped together with white hockey tape and like just kind of put up on the wall. And he remembers calling his wife Kathleen down and saying, my God, like our kid is really dedicated to this. Like, uh, you know, he, he probably thinks he can really go far in hockey. Anyway, fast forward about three years when the tape started coming off uh, one day when his dad was working out and it uh, turned out there was a massive hole in the wall that Connor ah. put in there with a, with a medicine ball uh, when he was working out as a youngster and he was so scared of getting in trouble. So he went upstairs right away. He got on his computer, printed out a couple inspirational quotes, some photos, just anything that would cover the hole in the wall. And he put the poster up and uh, we, we ran photos i i posted a, a column on this today as well with the photo of the the poster uh and then the, the, his mom took a photo of it for me yesterday and peeled it back and showed the massive hole in the wall and uh you know it, it, it's a great story that speaks to the fact that you know everybody thinks that this is you know this kid's come out of nowhere and it, it's all happening very quickly but you know you gotta remember he spent parts of four seasons in the minors and you know, it's his work ethic that got him to where he is now. And he told another great story about his teacher. You know, we hear this sort of story a lot from athletes where, you know, the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, you know, I want to, I'm going to be an NHL hockey player. And the teacher says, well, that that's nice and everything, but you need a more realistic goal is what the teacher said to them. And, uh, and he would have none of that. He, he just, no matter what anybody said or that he was too slow or not a good enough skater, Connor Zeri is here right now and is one of the feel-good stories of the National Hockey League this season. Uh, and I dare say um, entering the Calder Trophy conversation uh, with some people around the league, probably not as many as should, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a real great story. And, and I think you've talked to him. He's got a great head on his shoulders and, uh, I just thought that was a great story from his dad. And there was another, they had a sport court in the backyard in Saskatoon and pucks would go flying over the net all winter long, hit the neighbor's house and everything. And he was such a nice little boy that the neighbor would come over every spring with a bucket full of pucks and say, here, here are your pucks we found in the yard from the winter. No problem, yeah. Connor. You're a nice young man. Uh, but one, one errant puck went through the, the, one of the windows of his own house one year. And he said that it was him uh, only years later, they found out that it was actually his cousin. Uh, but Tonner, uh, Connor took the fall for him. And I thought that that also spoke a lot for his leadership and his selflessness and, you know, just his character, you know, just a real good kid. Those, those stories shouldn't surprise people. What uh, what else has jumped out of you? Any, any other anecdotes from uh, the dad's trip that uh, you've really glommed onto so far? You know, uh, Alan Huberdeau, uh, Alain, sorry, there's my French. Alain Huberdeau is a uh, used car salesman in uh, we, we, uh, used car salesman in Saint Jerome, a small town where where they live now. And um, Saint Jerome. When what's that? <laughs> Saint Jerome. That's very that's very that's very uh, anglicized as well. I'm anglicizing it for our <laughs> Calgary audience. <laughs> I spent four years in Ottawa as a youngster. I I, I could. Francophone it up, but I uh, it would be embarrassing for me. Um, yeah, he he. Uh, when when Jonathan turned sixteen, seventeen, he thought his dad was just going to give him a car. I mean, he, he runs a used cars to, uh, a lot, and yeah. uh, 
And instead, he uh, his first car was a uh, 1999 uh, Saturn. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Like a one of the God, what? I'm losing my mind right now. Station wagon. Saturn. Yes, Saturn station wagon, 1999, no air conditioning. And his dad, dad charged him 2,500 bucks for it. He thought he was going to get it for free, but he, his dad used it as a, as a, an example. Like you get nothing in life without working for it. And you're going to pay for this because that's what everybody else has to do in life to get an automobile. And uh, he said, I drove that thing to St. John with, uh, to go play junior hockey. Almost got into three accidents because it was all over the road and rickety. And it was five speed. He learned how to drive a stick shift. But I, I do think it's actually an interesting metaphor for where he is right now, you know, trying to, to, to climb out of the depths of his career uh, and, and refine his game. And, I, and, you know, as we talked about earlier, I think there's been some real positive signs of late. Last night was two of the best plays he's made as a Calgary Flame uh, to set up Coles. But, uh, you know, he speaks to his dad several times a week. He's very close with his family. And they've all been trying to work together to try and help him get out of this funk. It's not just him. Uh, but at the end of the day, the message from his dad to him is, in this world, you are the one who makes your own luck. You're the one who has to, to do the work and get out of this. The organization, it's up to them to try and help you. And I'll try to help you as your father and your mother will try to help you and your sister and brother. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. And I just thought that was an interesting uh, way that the family looks at it, which is, hey, don't pass the buck. This isn't anybody else's problem and it's not anybody else's fault. Uh, only you can get out of this. And I think that he's shown signs of doing that. Did you not think that those two setups that night, last night were exactly what the Flames were getting when they traded for him? Yeah, and and we've even seen, I, I agree, and we saw the the one pass in the Ottawa game. Um, there's, been, there's been a whole lot more of that from him of late, no question. Like that, that toe drag on the power play, and then he fed it down low, and it went over to Sharon Grove, like, Again, I was sitting with the dads, and there was one of these, oh, like nobody could believe what they just saw. And Alain Huberdeau stood up and put both his hands in the air like like he just won the cup. He was so proud, and he just looked at uh, – he kind of looked around, and everyone was high-fiving him, and he just said, that's beautiful. And I'm not sure he said that's beautiful a lot when he's watching his son play this year. Yeah. Uh, but 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 it's coming, right? What is it? Eight points in his last seven games. Correct. And I know we we nitpick on it, and we we we's got a microscope on him. What a good with good reason. Um, but I, it's also funny that he started with the uh, the station wagon. Said so the next year he moved up to a Honda Civic, uh, had air conditioning, and he was real proud of that. And of course now it's pretty well documented that this guy's own Lamborghinis. He still owns a Ferrari. Um, as his dad said, hey, it's okay, you know. It, he likes cars, and uh, I taught him from a young age, when you make money, you spend money, and you, you, you do nice things for yourself, and you celebrate them. And so there's no uh, – he's not embarrassed to own these vehicles and to drive them and love them, but uh, pretty humble beginnings for a guy who's now driving around in a Ferrari. <laughs> uh, okay, before we uh, wrap up uh, this week's Eric Francis Hour, you've got a uh, – you, you're in Vegas. You're in Vegas till Sunday. The Flames play there Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, you wanted to finish with a little Vegas story time. Nobody loves Vegas like I do. This is eventually where I want to retire. I, love, I just love this place. I, I think, you know, I, I love it. Anyway, uh, I, I always remind, I, I like to tell the story of 
I've been here so many times and I was here one time with a bunch of guys on a guy's trip. It's we're at MGM. We're in the pool area and there's the nightclub or the day club, they call it above us. And somebody in that party, and this story basically just speaks to the fact that you can love Vegas all you want, but you never leave up, right? You you might have the odd night where you do well or the odd weekend, but at the end of the day, you, you always pay the price. Yeah, Vegas always and wins. Vegas always wins. That's how they built this damn place. And uh, and I we were sitting there and literally just lying back, looking up at the sky, getting suntans, whatever, and just lying there, you know, and literally like a dream come true money starts coming from over the edge of the day club. Someone clearly like literally decided to make it rain. And all of a sudden, like these things are flying, like fluttering through the air and coming down towards us. And like, I, I don't know if it was my, me or my friend, like suddenly goes, Oh my God, that's, that's real money. <laughs> and this flurry of about 10 people around me all just like spring up. And start grabbing one dollar bills. They're all one dollar bills, but you never know, right? You got to grab whatever you can. And we're just grabbing them out of the air, off the ground, scrambling around, skinning our knees, grabbing this. Is like, and in the in the hustle, like as all this happens, I jump up to grab them. I was I was uh, I had an iPad on my chest, like I was reading an iPad, and my iPad smashes on the ground. And it the, the the face of it shatters and it's it's busted it's done it's finished it's like seven hundred dollar iPad at the time, and I, in the mad scramble to get the the money I grabbed twenty three dollars, okay. so I was down. So you you ended up down. <laughs> so, yeah, you feel like you're a winner is is the point. You feel like you're a winner. Oh my God, money from heaven! This is the greatest place in the world. Only in Vegas would it rain money. And at the end of the day, that ended up costing me six hundred plus dollars <laughs> because I was such an idiot scrambling for it. That's Vegas in a nutshell, if you ask me. Hey, no making it rain tonight, hey? No, no, no. I'm a, I'm an older, more mature uh, gentleman now. I'll be uh, just have a nice meal with Rick Ball and and Millsy and, and call it a night. Scott Oaks coming out tonight. I can't imagine those guys want to go make it rain. No, keep be be safe, okay? I worry about you. Okay, my friend. Good shot today. Thanks. Uh we'll do it next week. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, buddy. Eric Francis Sauer starts to wrap up. It'll be available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, uh, thanks to Eric Francis from Vegas. Thanks to Shan, our producer. And the Eric Francis Hour is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com. 18 plus. Please play responsibly.